Thank you for joining us here at Dominion Church. Uh, for those of you joining us online on Facebook, we're having some technical difficulties with our normal streaming equipment, so my wife has been kind enough to sit on the front row with the phone, and so that's how we're going to stream to you, and so also keep that in mind on our YouTube channel at Dominion Church SC, and then probably especially for those tuning into our podcast experience, your audio may be lacking, uh, but know that that's not intentional, and we hope to have that sorted out. Uh, by the time we gather again uh, soon. So last Sunday, just to recap, we're in the month of December. We're focusing on some themes of Christmas, and we're trying to dig into some of the meat of Christmas. Uh, and so last week we talked about how in the season of wonder, the Messiah cannot be explained. We talked about how the arrival of Jesus was the announcement of a good father, that his son was on the scene, and it was an invitation to sonship. Uh, and so I, I can't go and recap all of that. I would encourage you to go and watch that session. I really do believe that it will bless you. And so today we're going to continue in that vein. How we ended our session last Sunday was we talked about not putting away the seed. You, you can't put away the seed. Uh, and so Matthew 1, 18 and 19 is what was referenced. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph... In other words, it's already, it already planned. The agreement was already in place that she was going to be his wife. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, had in his mind to put her away privately. Uh, some other translations make it a little more plain. It says that he had purpose in his heart to divorce her in secret. That's what he had purposed in his heart to do. And so that's what we want to talk about today in the season that we're in. It's also a season of witness. The Messiah cannot be silenced. I want to go back and touch on that verse for just a minute. There's some richness in there. That first of all, we find that when Joseph was going to make this decision, it was not out of a heart of anger. It wasn't out of a heart of, of, of even legalism. It says that he was a just man. So in his heart, because the truth of what had happened to Mary had not yet been revealed to him. This is what, guys, can you hear this? I mean, this, again, I said it last Sunday, I'll say it today. Someone needs to write a good book about Joseph. The problem is we don't have a lot of material to draw from. But he was so just that he was trying to figure out, okay, she's broken, she's violated our intended marriage covenant. That's what in his mind has happened for the truth is revealed to him that night when he goes to sleep. But look at how he wants to deal with it. We're going to do it in secret. We're going to do it in private. I still don't want to bring any shame to her. Wow. So this, this was not, you know, Judge Judy. This was not air out your grievances in public. Joseph's heart. He, I mean, you talk about as betrayal at probably one of the highest levels. They said, you know what? We're going to deal with this in private. We're going to deal with this secretly. Okay? We're going to put away the seed. So that's a good heart. That's a good man. Yes. But I want to pick up on that theme of not putting away the seed. The Messiah cannot be silenced. Ephesians 3, 17 through 20, I have several verses I'm going to read. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. You can't put away the seed. Listen, I've heard this said many times, perhaps you have as well. My relationship with Christ is deeply personal. And while that's true, sometimes I, I think we attach some baggage to that that's not the case. Yes, your relationship is deeply personal, but it doesn't mean that it's quiet. It doesn't mean that it's invisible. It doesn't mean that it's hidden. Because when you carry the seed, the seed is destined, hear this, to be witnessed. Yes. You know, Hannah right now is showing proof of her ministry. It doesn't matter how much she denies that she's with child, we all know. Why? Because the seed in her wants to be witnessed. And in the same way, the seed that we carry, the same seed that Mary carried, demands to be witnessed. So yeah, your relationship, it should be personal. I think what that really means is this. No one can tell you what your relationship looks like with the Lord. That's, that's what we're trying to say. But to say for a moment that your personal relationship means no one knows that you carry seed, well then you might need to reevaluate. Because pregnancy has evidence. Right? Yes. Okay. We have this Christ in us. So the question is, but what do we do with him? I mean, we've got him. What do we do with him? Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write in that order, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty of these things wherein thou hast been instructed. So Luke, in his introduction, is saying, I'm writing this out of utmost confidence. I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm telling you exactly what happened so you know you can believe. Luke does not mince words. This is the same Luke, by the way. The angelic display of the heavens. The, the heavens open. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward God. For born in you this day, the city of David is, is a Savior. His name is Christ the Lord. Luke is writing the same. This is how he opens his letter. His gospel. I'm writing these things with certainty. Because I have seen them and experienced them for myself. You cannot put away... The seed. So let's talk about witnesses. There are so many witnesses of the Christ. One that comes to mind, these are not necessarily in order. Of course, John the Baptist. Well, perhaps it is in order. <laughs> John the Baptist. In John 1, 6 and 7, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. You might remember John actually was in a close proximity with Jesus long before he baptized him in the Jordan. Yes, yes. You guys remember? Yes. When he got close to his cousin, yeah, that's right. he left within his mother's womb. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Wow. That's right. So he was witnessing the Messiah before he ever saw the Messiah wow. with his own eyes. 
Gabriel the archangel. Luke 1, again, Luke 1, 26-36. I'm going to read all these verses. Just, we're just going to read. It's okay. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Isn't that something? It sounds pretty, pretty great. Mm -hmm. Greetings, you're highly favored. She was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. In other words, what do you want? What are you after? Right? That's, that's kind of what comes across to me. Right? Like if, if you just saw a, a glorious stranger. That's how, how else would you identify an angelic being? A glorious stranger. Greetings, good tidings. What do you want? Because I'm nobody, I'm nothing. What? Okay? I feel like that was Mary's disposition. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Do you hear, for the Bible students, all these echoes of Isaiah? All the Messianic utterances, 700 years before this. It's all laced throughout. I love how God always honors his word, right? Uh, and how will this be, Mary asked the angel. I mean, I'm a virgin. You, you, obviously, you know this at this point, right? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One uh, will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Huh. <laughs> For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. As powerful as the witness was, it also hinged on the response. You ever thought about that? Because Gabriel is saying some amazing things. Powerful. Glorious. I mean, it's hard to fathom. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow me? And I'm going to be pregnant with the Son of God? But the response is key. But, but I like to think of it this way. I feel like up until this moment, all the wonderful things she had heard, I feel like verse 37 is what really activated something in her heart. What does the angel say? No word from God will ever fail. No word. And look at who he, he sampled... If you, if you didn't, he sampled Elizabeth being pregnant as proof to Mary that God is faithful. Because, you know, you know Elizabeth, she's, she's outside of childbearing years, but even now she is six months pregnant. Wow. The word of the Lord never fails. And Mary said, well, here I am. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's talk about Elizabeth. 
Again, Luke 1, 41-45. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Just in proximity. Listen, I, I feel like in this Christmas season, some of us, we just need people to get close enough to us for them to have an encounter with Jesus. I, I mean, I know, I know it's the time to give, it's the time to be generous, but let's not forget what it means to be generous of spirit. Generous of spirit is I'm not going to put the seed away. Because of everything I can give to you or provide for you or bless you with, the seed that I carry is ultimately what will change your life forever. Yes. 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 You, ever, you ever dream about winning the lottery? Jesus is greater than the lottery. Come on, guys. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Wow. Wow. And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Wow. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. In a lot of circles I grew up in, we used to talk about our babies leaping. Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever met someone, and as soon as you met them, the baby in you leapt? They said something. They demonstrated something. They brought a word, and it spoke to your baby. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. You better pay attention when your baby leaps. Do not put the seed away. I've, I've got to share this. Let's see if I can find it here. I, I, I shared a little bit about Simeon before we actually, maybe in time of prayer after praise and worship. Uh, we always leave out some of these other figures that I believe are just so beautiful. To the, to the whole story, the whole narrative, Simeon is one of those. We're talking about witnesses. Uh, again, now Simeon, you can find him in Luke chapter 2. Uh, and Simeon, I'm sorry? 25. Yep, Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. That's the introduction. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon was righteous before people and he was devout in his relationship with God. The truth of the matter is that the moment that we're introduced to Simeon, Israel is not in a good state. First of all, they hadn't heard from God in 400 years. I mean, the God they serve has not spoken to them in 400 years. They were under Roman oppression. They had lost their political independence. They were living in fear under Herod. And Herod was ruthless, crafty, capable, and cruel. And honestly, at this point, many were wondering would the Messiah ever come? Because again, remember the, the Messianic utterances of Isaiah, at this point, would have been 700 years spoken. 700 years had passed. So much time had passed, they had forgotten how detailed Isaiah had become. Isaiah taught.
talks about a child being born. Isaiah talks about a virgin. But they had so grown accustomed to the silence and the frustration of the moment, they no longer looked for a child. They actually were looking for a, a, a governor, a general, a political savior. Now the child was still destined to be born. Many were wondering, would he ever come? And so then in verse 26 of Luke chapter 2, it shows us that Simeon had good reason for his hope and his anticipation. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he sees the Lord's Christ. Can you imagine? Old, frail, hoping against all hope. He knows his time is soon. And I still haven't seen the promise. The Simeon's expectation focused on the comfort, the comfort that Christ would bring. I think a lot of times we forget one of his names is Comforter. In 2020, guys, are you with me? 2020, I have been in need of comfort. And it's okay to admit that. That's not a sign of weakness. Come on. It's okay to admit when we need comfort. It's okay to admit when we need encouragement, when we need a dose of joy. It's okay. So he needed comfort, the comfort Christ would bring. And among Jews, the Jews of Simeon's day, one of the popular titles of the Messiah was Comforter. That's what there, there will be a Comforter. Who will come? It's been prophesied. A comforter will come. Like many of the Christmas songs that we sing, they were longing for the Messiah to come and bring them comfort. You know, one of the things that strikes me in that thought is, is that it's, it's a universal human need. Isn't it interesting that I don't, I'm not aware, of course I don't know every baby that's ever been born, thank you Jesus, four is enough to know personally. But babies... Instantly desire comfort. Yes. <laughs> and then when they begin to feel the familiar embrace of, of someone they can trust, mom and dad, they become a source of comfort. See, many of us, we've gotten so far away from the child's heart that Jesus encourages us to have when it comes to the kingdom of God that we forget that it's okay to need to be comforted by our Father. That he doesn't chastise us. He doesn't judge us. When, when listen, Father, I just need to be held for a while. And it's okay. Come on. It's okay. So Simeon is just in that place. But look at what happens. So the Holy Spirit prompts Simeon to go to the temple courts at just the right time on just the right day that Joseph and Mary are bringing their infant Jesus to the temple. Now this was the eighth day, so Jesus is eight days old, and according to Jewish tradition, this was his circumcision ceremony. So you're not inviting friends, you're not sending out invitations for this. So for someone to show up, it had to be the Lord leading them to show up. And so Simeon shows up. When Simeon looked at the baby Jesus, he knew that God had kept his promises. 
Here was Emmanuel. Here is God with us to make everything right, to provide significance by his presence and to eliminate rejection, fear, and loneliness. Verse 28 of Luke chapter 2 says that Simeon reached down, took Jesus out of Mary's arms and began to praise God. Can you see it with your imagination? I want to comment here, especially to you parents. How would you feel if some old guy just ran up right in the middle of your son being circumcised, grabs, snatches him out of your arms? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> grabs the infant, starts singing out loud, praises unto the Lord. I'm sure this was unsettling for Joseph and Mary, but Simeon, he didn't, he didn't have an aura of danger. There was no threat there. It was pure joy, pure thanksgiving. It was comfort. And if you guys can catch this for a minute, this is beautiful. How did Jesus provide comfort to Simeon? Simply by being there. Yeah. Didn't have to do anything. Couldn't do anything. Yeah. Jesus at eight days old wasn't trying to figure out how he could bless Simeon. Yeah. See, some of us, we've forgotten. Jesus being there is enough. Yes. Just his presence enough. is enough. Now, does he want to see our needs supplied? Absolutely. But that's a connection to understanding our greatest need has already been met. He's there. He's with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. That is enough. As he broke out into praise, he acknowledged that God had not only fulfilled the individual promise made to him, but also the promises of the prophets to send the anointed one to comfort both Jews and Gentiles. Emmanuel, God is here. And then finally, one of my last uh, characters of witness is Anna. Yeah. Anna. You know, Anna and Simeon, they don't, they're, they're not on Christmas cards. <laughs> they don't have Simeon figurines in the nativity. That's right. It's not fair. <laughs> but they still witnessed the Messiah nevertheless. And so that's why it's important to remember. Yeah. So what's interesting about Anna is that she is waiting in anticipation. We're told that her husband had died. She was a widow. And once he died, she dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. Actually, the scripture goes on to say that she never left the temple, that she stayed there day and night praying and worshiping. So she was looking forward to the same person that Simeon was, but she was looking for a different reason. Instead of looking for comfort, Anna was looking for forgiveness. Yeah. If you take a look at Luke verse 32, verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, do you see this, what's going on? Mary and Joseph are just trying to get Jesus circumcised. It's a traumatic experience. We'd rather not have people around. But look what's happening. This man comes up, grabs him, and is praising God. The promise of God has been fulfilled. And in the same moment... Anna comes out from the shadows, gives thanks to God, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. And that word redemption is related to the idea of captivity. Of course, the Old Testament Passover and the release of Israel from the Egyptian slavery stood in Anna's day as the ultimate redemption. And the symbol of God's power to release the captives. 
Ultimately, Passover pointed ahead to the day when God would provide deliverance from the slavery of sin and death. When Anna saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were waiting for redemption. Here at last was the one who would save his people from their sins. So as it is in the day of Jesus, so is it today in a lot of ways. He came into the landscape of history and many witnesses proclaimed his goodness, proclaimed his arrival, proclaimed his presence. And the provision, again, like I love that, that the provision Jesus was bringing during this time was just showing up. He wasn't speaking. He wasn't, he wasn't turning water into wine. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, allowing blind eyes to see. He wasn't curing leprosy. No, he was just there. And there was enough. There can't be put away. When he shows up, you can try. It's, it's an exercise in, 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 in futility. You, you can't silence the seed. Because him being there demands a witness. And since he's in you and he lives in you, your life demands a witness as well. I don't, I don't know if you believe this or not, but people want to see the goodness of God on your life. Yes. They want to see His intervention. They want to see His compassion. They long to see His mercy and grace on you, in you, and through you. Yes. They want to see it. And so that's why I believe we need to be committed, especially at this time of the year, when the world is focusing on Jesus. I get so excited. Now, I know part of this because my love language is gift giving. I get that. But I'm also excited because the world is focusing on Jesus in times they otherwise would not. Right. And we are able to give them a true introduction. Yeah. Like, hey, I'd like you to meet this Jesus you're singing about. Yeah. You know, the glory of the highest, joy to the world, heart the herald angels sing. I'm not hearing Santa Claus. There's other ones. Not, not that one. But there's so many that use Silent Night, Holy Night. Drummer Boy has become one of my favorite things for King and Country. I know him personally. And I can, I can show you what it's like to know him, to meet him right now. That's something. And then guess what happens? They become a witness. I mean, of the seed that demands to be witnessed. So how do I how do I land this? I don't know. Um, Jesus provides what we need. I, I was actually sharing this uh, earlier today, uh, and, and it was so good. It's worth sharing because it, it'll just make you happy. Jesus provides what we need. When it when when Jesus came to provide the very thing that Simeon and Anna were waiting for, He provided exactly what they needed. It was comfort and forgiveness. And I've already said it many times. I'll say it one final time. It was his presence that brought all the provision. Yeah. All right. This was not God reaching into his storehouse. This was God manifesting his person. Right? I know a lot of times, I used to even think that when I was growing up, okay, especially during offering and stuff. You know, God, he'll provide your needs and he, he reaches into his storehouse. And I used to even think in my imagination, God has this giant silo somewhere, this, this supernatural silo. <laughs> 
he can, because we always saw that are that farm analogy that's in scripture, and he gets a basket and pulls out some grain for us. I don't know what I'm gonna do with that grain, but he's gonna provide. Yeah. When you actually find out that God is His own storehouse, yes. He's not reaching outside of Himself for anything. Right. He is His own storehouse, yes. and you realize the provision that you need is in His person. And what's even more so beautiful than that is that we know where his person is. Yes. Living on the inside. Yes. Yes. So I don't have to go outside of myself mm. to get the provision I'm crying out for. Mm. Come on, the, the, the truth said and done, the only thing you need outside of yourself is the communion of the God family. Because yeah. you don't carry all your brothers and sisters in you. No. No. All right. no. But everything else you carry. And, and usually what happens, it takes my brothers and sisters to remind me of what I carry. Right? The only thing that is not included in that all-inclusive package is the, is the place of the corporate anointing. The place of commanded blessing. I have to have you to be able to experience that. Right? And I want it all. So if you're curious, I, just, I want it all. So I'm not going to forsake the gathering together of family. Even though I know God lives in me. Because I want it all. Are you guys with me? I get a little selfish when it comes to who God is. I want it all. Every experience, every benefit, every blessing, I want it all. Even if it means i got to spend time with you. <laughs> I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. Even if it means we got to spend time with Him. Actually, it's a privilege. It's a joy. Right? Because again, it's a, it's a place we can't get to on our own. Mark, you can't have the corporate anointing by yourself. Because that's not the corporate anointing. You can be anointed by yourself. Yeah. But it's not the place of commanded blessing. That's the place where brothers want to get in unity. That's the place where the cluster of grapes are smashed together. And the wine of the kingdom of God begins to flow. Right? So let me ask you a question. Here we are. What are we waiting for? What are you waiting for this Christmas? What are you longing to see? Whatever it is, Jesus is your provider. Amen. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. As long as you understand that the great provision you need has already been provided, then yes, I 100% agree with this verse. Does he want us to see our bills paid? Does he want us to see, see us not lacking? Of course. But that is connected to understanding our great provision is his indwelling. That's where the richness of his provision starts and ends. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4, I love what begins to happen in these moments. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The translation says all things that pertain to life and godliness have already been given to us. Through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And then finally, in Luke chapter 2, I can't go into it all. In Luke chapter 2, we have the angelic host. They're, they're letting the shepherds know, Unto you is born this day in the city of David. A Savior, His name is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. You've heard me teach on this before. Why a manger? 
Why a feeding trough? That's what a manger is. It's a place where farmers come and put their grain and leftovers so the wild beast can eat. It's God trying to give us some symbols like kindergarten, like felt, felt board signals that I am a provider. Yes. Yes. I am a meal. I'm not here to take. I'm here to give of myself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And the picture we see of Jesus in the manger, it's our story. It's not just a nativity story, it's your story. Because the day Jesus was laid in your feeding trough, you were a wild beast. Wow. He was put in a feeding trough surrounded by wild beasts. And the invitation was come and taste and see the Lord is good. That is your story of mine. Before Jesus, before he came into me, before I met him in my own heart, I was a wild beast. But he kept inviting me to come and taste and see is good. Before this sounds so weird and out of order, this has been the way God's communicated for thousands of years. Yeah. In Genesis, you can eat of the tree of life. That's right. Yes. This other tree, I don't want you to eat, but you can eat this one. Jesus is the tree, by the way. Yes, he is. Passover. Take a pure spotless lamb into your house. Sacrifice it. Take the blood, put it over the doorpost. And then what? Eat the lamb. The whole lamb. And it specifically mentions legs, head, and the and the guts. Or as King James, I love how poetically it says, the pertinence thereof. And all of you guys that have gone through present truth principles, you understand his legs is the mobility of Christ. His head is the mind of Christ. And his guts are the motives of Christ. The invitation is to eat. In, in, in the Gospel of John, with the multitude, Jesus has his discourse about, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. Remember, and everyone's turned off, and it's very horrific what he says. Even though he tells them, I'm speaking in spirit, the events had already occurred. Mm. Yeah. And it's in that moment that the actual 12 disciples were most familiar with in the Gospels emerges. They're the only ones that stuck with them. The other disciples left. Right. The conversation around Eden, Christ, is offensive. Nevertheless, he invites us, come on, taste and see, it's time to eat. I'm a well-prepared feast. And I think part of it is, it's when we realize we've got to eat the whole lamb. He's not a buffet. Come on, man. If you don't like collard greens in Christ, it doesn't matter. You still have to eat them because it's part of the meal. Yes. Yes. Remember, eat the legs, the head, and the pertinence thereof. Eat the mobility, the mind, and the motive. In other words, when I go, I'm going to go as Christ. When I think, I'm going to think with the mind of Christ. And then that motive, when that one will get you convicted. That my motives are His motives. The way I interact with people, the way I love people, the way I embrace others. I want it to be with His motive. And then we have no record from the Gospel of John until the Last Supper where the disciples actually partake. Isn't that interesting? When, when the Messiah is born, the message is, here's a meal. Yeah. And it takes over 30 years before anyone will eat. Yeah. But when they ate, and something happened. Jesus knew his disciples had to eat because look at what it did for them. It gave them the ability to walk in his sufferings. Yeah. Every disciple except John lost his life in a violent way. Yeah. 
They needed to eat because Jesus knew what was coming. So I just want to tell you guys this, and I certainly didn't mean to end on such a somber note, but when Jesus invites us to come and eat, that is not the time to try to think it through. That's not the time, well, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I'm in the mood for that today. No, just go and eat. And eat until you're finished. Because even, I can't get into it all, but even there, the, the, the instruction of the Israelites were, and if you can't finish it, burn it all. So I've heard some good preachers say, because the, the risk was if you didn't burn it all and an Egyptian came into your house and ate, they would be energized in the same way. And you didn't want the Egyptians yeah. eating a lamb that wasn't meant for them. Right. right. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so, said and done, don't put away the seed. Don't put away the seed. You can't. He's meant to be witnessed. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you that we carry the seed of Christ within us, a seed that is crying out to be witnessed. And Lord, I just have that sense, those that are watching, listening, those that are here in the building, I'm so thankful. Lord, we carry great witness on the inside of us. Lord, let us never, never look down on those opportunities to share the meal with others. I reminded of the parable when the master's prepared a feast and there's not enough to attend. There's too much food. That, man, that is so like God. Yeah, I made a meal, but it's way too much. So what are we going to do? Go invite people. Just go out to the street and stop. Whoever is willing to come and eat, oh, there's plenty. There's more than enough. I feel like that that's as much Christmas as anything else. Christmas is God showing us. Not only have I provided, but you all know, admit it, I've given you much more than you even knew to ask for. I provided myself as a sacrifice. The same way Father Abraham, that same revelation he had of Jehovah Jireh. While he was going up to the top of the mountain and in his heart he carried the potential of loss, the ram was on the other side, coming up the mountain. And as one ram was caught in a thicket in Genesis, a lamb was caught in a crown of thorns in the Gospels. Or we just are so thankful that you have met every single one of our needs. But one of the greatest among them, forgiveness of sin. The wall of partition being removed. Jesus, the climber, has won our hearts. For I'm just thankful for all these things. I decree them by faith in the beautiful, the powerful, the majestic name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll have our technical issues sorted out next week. Until we look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless you.